Elton family, Mike and Philip and Miranda, and uh, pray that the Lord will give me the the wisdom to preach what he would have me to, and to be a comfort and a blessing to that family. Also, remember Miss Shirley Neese, as uh, the uh, hospice nurses have been there today, and they said that it's very possible that she won't make it through the night. So uh, remember uh, Shirley Neese and LV. I will say this, LV seems to be holding up better today than he has been, and I believe that's caused the prayers of God's people. But let's uh, lift them up, let's love on them. Amen. I know one thing, LV loves his church family. He loves United Baptist Church, and uh, amen. Uh, you know, he was hoping to get to come to the revival meeting, but probably that won't happen. And uh, <clears throat> of course, we may have to make some adjustments depending on what happens with uh, Miss Shirley, but uh, amen. We'll just cross that bridge when we get there. And uh, we don't plan on uh, not having the revival. We do plan on moving forward, but certainly we will uh, accommodate and be sensitive and respectful to uh, if something were to happen with Miss Shirley. So, uh, uh, amen. God's got a plan, doesn't he? Amen. amen. We just trust his will to be done. Do continue to remember uh, uh, Matt Cutchall as uh, Matt has an important date tomorrow. So remember Matt and the family. Just praying uh, God's will be done there. Remember the Gridley family in prayer. Continue to remember uh, Brother Bob and Miss Pat Price. Remember them. Otis, it was good to have his mom and grandmother with us this morning. Uh, continue to remember Caroline in prayer. Remember, uh, again, Lula Cutchall. Uh, remember Sam in prayer. Pray for Barbie as she starts back work tomorrow. Uh, remember Uncle Kenny as he did fall uh, prior to services this evening at home, but uh, as far as we know, uh, he's okay. Is that correct? <clears throat> amen. Remember him in prayer. Um, amen. Remember Callie and Linda Coggins. Uh, remember the Howard Elliott family. Remember um, uh, the Gail Felton family. Remember Helen Laster as she is recovering from COVID. Remember, um, boys, good to have Nellie Barham with us this morning. Remember her. Pray for Kim. Uh, remember Kim in prayer. It was so good to have her with us today. Uh, continue to pray for the Randy Bailey family uh, as, uh, again, they suffered the loss last week in that family. Uh, let's see a few from this morning. Let's pray for Maria. Is she sick? Morgan, is she sick? Uh, pray for the Ruby Jennings family. Pray for Christy Hinkle in prayer. Remember Eli and Grace. Remember Joanne and Anthony and Michael and Trevor as they're all sick. Uh, remember, um, let's see, uh, uh, Elena or Alana Smith in prayer. Remember, uh, I believe we have, uh, 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 okay, Cheryl. Miss Cheryl had a request today. Pray for Miles and uh, Mylan. Is that right? Miles and Mylan. Okay. Sam's son and Diane Wilson. Amen. So we have quite a bit to pray about, don't we, church? Anything? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Okay, what? What's her name? Danica Blunt. Somebody else? 
Remember, uh, we requested prayer for Chad and Jama, Jama's mother that passed away. Remember that family. And also Courtney has the flu. Somebody else? Yep. That old devil, he uh, knows how to throw a wrench in our plans, doesn't he? Amen. I believe God will get the victory, though, don't you? Amen. Somebody else this evening? Yeah, go ahead, Robert. Remember Tanya Carlton in prayer? Somebody else? Amen. How many have family members who are uh, who need prayer? Amen. Amen. Unspoken request tonight. Amen. Any other prayer request? Yes. When you have somebody sick in the family and you try your best to come to church and do the work of God. Amen. And I know how much she enjoyed playing the piano for Amen. us. And we all need to remember her in prayer. Amen. She'd be able to come to put uh, every Bible this week and that our kidney uh, health will improve. Amen. She'd be I believe that was just another wrench the devil was trying to throw into things, don't you? Yeah. Amen. Pray for our pastors and uh, Brasher. How do you pronounce his last name? Rackley. Yeah. Amen. Brasher. Amen. Any others this evening? Amen. Good to have Mike with us this evening and that little angel. Amen. Love her, even if she is his child. Amen. Any other prayer needs this evening? All right, we'll gather around the altar. If you'd like to join us, you can do so as we uh, take these requests for the Lord. If not, pray there in your seats, please. Brian, lead us in prayer, brother.
Have a couple ushers come forward. We'll receive our Sunday night offering at this time. I do want to remind you that we will be uh, taking up a special love offering each night of the revival meeting, and everything that's given will go to support the evangelist. Amen. All right. Uh, Scott, you lead us in prayer, brother. All right, turning your gold hymnals to page seven. Page seven. Let's all stand tonight. to Him who reigns above in majesty supreme who gave His Son for man to die that He might man redeem Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On the second His name above all names shall stand. Exalted more and more. At God the Father's own right hand, where angel hosts adore, sing, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord on the third reading. 
Savior, friend of man, once ruined by the fall. Thou hast devised salvation's plan, for Thou hast died. Oh, do you believe that tonight? Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His name shall be the Counselor, the mighty Prince of Peace. Of all earth's kingdoms conqueror, whose reign shall never Lift it up unto Jesus now. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Sing that chorus again. Amen. Worship Jesus tonight. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn over to 363. Amen. 363. Amen. We'll conclude our congregational this evening with when we see Christ. Amen. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. Hallelujah. Of times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair, but Christ will soon appear to catch His bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal Life's trials will seem so small, oh yeah, when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase, so bravely run the race, till we see Christ on the second now. Sometimes the sky looks dark with not a ray of light. We're tossed and driven on. No, you. 
Think about what you're singing now. I like this, but there is one in heaven. Do you believe that? Who knows our deepest cares? Let Jesus solve your problems. Just go to We'll sing so small when we sing One glimpse of His dear face All sorrow will erase So bravely run the race Till we On the third now Sing it like you mean it Light's days will soon be o'er, all storms forever past. We'll cross the great divide to glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven. No more devil, hallelujah. The tempter will be banished. We'll lay our burden. Lift up your voices tonight. It will be worth it One glimpse of His dear face All sorrow will erase Bravely run the race Till we see Christ My, my, if I had ought to make a Baptist shout, hallelujah Amen, you may be seated tonight I'll tell you what don't get me wrong, I like some of the new songs. I do. Just because it's old don't make it good, and just because it's new don't make it bad. But, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you can't beat some of the old hymns. Amen. And I believe that we need to bravely run our race. Amen. Because one of these days we're going to see Jesus. And when we do, I believe all of our problems are going to melt away and fade from view. Amen. The Bible says our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen. <laughs> I believe just a little bit longer. Heaven is just right around the bend. And it won't be long till we're going home. Amen. Praise God. I'll tell you what, let's sing a little bit of home tonight. Praise the Lord. I think that'd be according to the will of God for Dad to sing a little bit about home this evening. Amen. Come on, Holly and the girls. Amen.
That's what keeps us going. The promise of home. Amen. Amen. No place like home. And uh, no place like heaven. Heaven will be my home. That's right. Well, that's something, something to praise the Lord for. Amen. All right, before we preach, I've got a message, but has God been good to anybody tonight? Amen. Somebody else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good, Sam. Amen. It's wonderful. Others this evening? Amen, Lyle. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's right, Lyle. Amen. Can, amen. How many of you especially pray for Lyle and Jeannie and Matt and the entire family? Amen. God's got a plan, and I believe when it's all said and done, the devil's going to have a black eye and God's going to get the glory. Amen. I believe that. I do. Amen. You know, the devil fights the ones the hardest that God wants to use the most. That's true. The devil fights the hardest against the ones God wants to use the most. Amen. We've got to fight harder for them than the devil does. And we all have some loved ones that, that are very dear to our hearts. That Right now, Satan has a stranglehold on their life in one way or another. Amen. Amen. We've got to tug harder on our end for them than the devil is on his end. Amen. Praise God. Somebody else this evening. Amen, Mary. Amen. Praise God. Somebody else? Yeah. That's good, Sarah. My goodness. Wow. Well, that's heavy.
Amen, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. God help. God help. Grant it, Lord. Grant it, Lord. My God. Yes, it is. Mm-mm-mm. You know, um, I, and I would not dare to say out loud what I read today. Uh, just the, the utter blasphemy. I mean, there is no fear. And uh, what I read came straight out of Cambridge University over in England. One of the great, I mean, we're talking one of the the pillars of the faith in bygone generations. And again, I cannot. There's no, I'd afraid, I, I'm a, I would be afraid God would strike me dead for saying what was spoken last Sunday from out of that pulpit. I mean, you listening to me tonight, tonight? And generally speaking, they basically said that Jesus was transgender. From one of the premier pulpits in the world, the preacher boldly proclaiming Christ as being transgender and used very graphic terms to describe it. No fear of God. Well, I've read it and heard it so many times that the fear that we need to have is from the church itself. Amen. God help. Amen. Somebody else tonight. I praise the Lord that all five of our adult kids are alive because the suicide that I heard is like up 500%. Yeah. I mean, I think God saves till have time. I don't know who saves it or not, but I'm guessing all five of them are saved the way they live. And I just praise God that they still have time. Amen. And I pray that they do accept Christ before it's too late. So, amen. And I don't know, like I said, I know me and my wife pray for them every day, so I don't know. Like she said, when parents die, they don't know what happens to the kids because these kids are dropping off. Like and that's what the devil wants. He doesn't want nothing more than them to end their life because then they don't they don't get saved and they kill themselves. Right? Yeah. And then they go to hell. So he wants nothing more. He feeds them to go kill themselves. So mm-hmm. I praise the Lord for the ones that have parents that have kids that are still alive, whether they're saved or not. Because we still have time for them. Who's going to pray for your kids when you're gone? My God, what a powerful, powerful thought.
You know, that's why I'm here tonight. That's the only reason that I'm standing behind a pulpit and not in a jail cell somewhere or not uh, in a a dope house or, or already in the graveyard or in hell is because I had people, not just one, but I had multitudes of people praying for me uh, growing up. The intercessors are fading off the scenes fast. And what are we going to do when they're gone? God help. That's powerful. Somebody else this evening. Amen. It's good, Teresa. Some Lord. Amen. Amen, Teresa. Amen. 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 Good, Teresa. Amen. 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 
Amen. Amen. And, you know, that's, you know, maybe I don't have a mom. Yeah, she's there, but I don't have her. But you know what? I have my Lord and my Amen. Father. Amen. He's my Father. I'm not an orphan no more. <laughs> you know, I'm not an orphan. And I used to think of that. And I was telling somebody and talking to somebody about that the other day, you know, because they were going on about, you know, their life and being horrible. And I understand that. I have sympathy for them. But I said, listen, but I'm not that way. I'm not an orphan. Yeah, man. Hallelujah. It's good, Teresa. Yes. It's good. Wonderful testimony. Wonderful testimony. Somebody else tonight before we preach. Have you been obedient this evening? All minds and hearts clear. John chapter 5. Lord, really burdened my heart about with this message for this service. And y'all basically preached it. A lot of the things that we'll share tonight. John chapter number 5, once again I won't ask you, there it is, move something like right. check one, two, John chapter number 5, if you found your place, say Amen. Robert, can you get me some more water, brother? Amen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years, when Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and he walked. Thank you, Robert. And on the same day was the Sabbath the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that 
which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk, and he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, and a multitude being in that place, afterwards Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. That man departed, and he told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. God help. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Uh, With the Lord's help tonight, I don't want to preach on this thought, and I do need your prayers. I do feel burdened over this message. While the waters are troubled. While the waters are troubled. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, just for the sweet spirit that is uh, present in your house tonight. And Lord, that same spirit has been uh, resting here now for uh, several weeks, to be honest. Lord, we thank you, God, that for whatever reason you choose to make your abode on the corner of Buckingham Road at this little brick church. And God, Lord, as we stand at the precipice of what could be Lord, we don't know, but it could be our last chance for revival. Lord, this could be the last revival meeting we set through before the trumpet sounds. Lord, time is short. The world's on edge. Souls hang in the balance. God, uh, the future of our heritage. God is, uh, Lord, is in doubt. God, that's being expressed tonight. And Father, Lord, uh, I pray, God, that you would, Lord, just lay upon us a sense of soberness and seriousness and urgency. Lord, uh, what a great job we have to do, but Lord, it's not us who's doing it. You're the one that's got to do the work. Help us to do our part, that which is required of us. God, I need your help tonight as I preach, God. Thank you, Lord, for burdening me with this message. But, Lord, you have got to, uh, Lord, use it and, and anoint it and season it, God. And, Lord, I just want to be your mouthpiece. And, God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. God, plow up the fallow ground tonight. God, I pray you'd remove the calluses. Lord, we've all been wounded, Lord, and hurt. But, God, I pray that you'd open those wounds, those sores, God, that they would be as sensitive as an open wound, God. The slightest touch of the Holy Ghost might cause us to burn. And God, I pray, Father, Lord, God, that if uh, we don't have revival, it wouldn't be because of anything that we've done on our part to keep it from happening. Moving our midst, working our hearts, help me tonight as I preach. God, we're going to praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. While the waters are troubled. Familiar story that's found in John chapter number 5 records for us the healing of a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Interestingly, this is a controversial story. It is supposedly not found within some of the, quote, oldest Greek manuscripts. But it is found in the majority of them. And most of all, it's found in my Bible. Uh, and because of that, I believe it's just as important and authentic as any other story found in God's Word. 
It is one of my favorite New Testament texts because there's so much that can be gleaned from it. Maybe that's why the Lord, the devil tried his heart to keep it out uh, of the Word of God. So let's get right into it tonight. Let's share some truths with you and we'll go home. There's a location. Verses number 1 and 2, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In our Lord's ministry, He chose to go to specific places. Nowhere Jesus went was by accident or coincidence. God is not a God of accident. He is a God of purpose and intent. Everything He does, He does for a reason. And it wasn't an accident by any means that Jesus went to Bethesda on this day. Why? Because He had one man in mind. Amen? One, not the crowds, not the multitudes. He is after just one. Hallelujah. Let me point out a couple of things. Uh, again, it was... Not a coincidence. God has never uh, made any mistakes. One thing you don't have to worry about God ever saying is whoops. Amen? That word does not exist in His vocabulary. He works all things together for good, even the evil things that occur in this world. It's not necessarily that they are according to His will for them to happen, but He takes them, turns them around, and works them according to His purpose and plan for His people. You say, I don't understand that. I don't either, but that's what the Bible says, so I believe it. You know, even in this crazy, chaotic, turned upside down, we're living in, you can mark it down and take it to the bank, honey. He's still on His throne. He's pulling the strings and He's calling the shots. The world's not falling apart, it's falling right into place. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that tonight. If you're God's child, your life's not falling apart, it's falling right into place. Amen. Uh, You know, the Lord had a purpose for traveling to Bethesda. He had a reason to show up anywhere, in any time, in any place. The Lord shows up. He has a reason for it. Amen. And I am very thankful for the times in my life where the Lord showed up. I'll tell you, I can look at at my life and 44 years and there was some things, there were some times that I was right on the very verge of messing up. I, I was like Jonah. Amen? Just like when the Bible says God prepared a storm. God prepared a fish. I believe there have been some divinely ordained occasions in my life where I was getting ready to blow it, I was getting ready to ruin it, but then all out of, all of a sudden out of nowhere, the Lord showed up. <laughs> Amen. And when He shows up, brother, you know it. Amen. How many of you know what it is when the Lord shows up? And it's a very serious thing. God's, when God shows up, it means He's trying to do something. Uh, let me say to you this evening, if God shows up at United Baptist Church this week, it will not be uh, casually or carelessly. It's because He's got something on His mind that He's wanting to do. Amen. Hallelujah. When the Lord shows up, we better perk up. 
wake up and get our heads up because I guarantee you he ain't playing around, but he's got a purpose for being there. Amen. Thank God for those times when the Lord shows up. Bethesda. Something important about the place, Bethesda. The name Bethesda in the Aramaic language means the place of kindness, which is in the Old Testament just another word for grace. So for Bethesda, it was a place of grace. By the way, it had five porches. And in the Word of God, anytime you see the number five, uh, the Lord's trying to talk to us about His grace. Amen. I'm thankful for God's grace tonight. We need God's grace. Where would we be without God's grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. His unmerited favor that we don't deserve, but yet God loves us and for whatever reason He gives it to us anyway. Amazing grace of God. Uh, Unmeasurable, uh, unspeakable exceeding innumerable amount of grace. Friend, I'm telling you, there's some things you wouldn't make it through tonight in your life if it weren't for God's grace. There's some places God's brought you out of and the way He did it was by His grace. There's some things you're going through right now and you question, am I going to make it through it? And if you're God's child, you'll make it. And when it's all said and done, you'll make it by God's grace. There's some things that aren't even on your radar right now, but is but lays in store for your life in the future. And if, if God were to show it to you right now, it'd terrify you. And you might commit suicide because there's no way you could get through it on your own. But friend, when that time comes, I believe God will give you the grace to make it every step of the way. Yeah, man, thankful for God's grace tonight. Amen. He ha- One thing you don't have to run out or worry about is God running out of grace. Amen. He has an infinite supply of grace. Amen. And anytime you need grace, all you have to do is go to God. And if He sees fit that you need it, He'll give it to you. Anybody need any grace tonight? You don't realize just how much you need God's grace. Amen. Preacher, what kind of grace do I need? You need saving grace. You need sustaining grace. You need providing grace. You need protecting grace. You need preserving grace. You need serving grace. I need preaching grace. God help, I need pastoring grace. Uh, We need parenting grace. We need uh, marital grace. We need serving grace. We need counseling grace, ministering grace, enduring grace, satisfying grace, living grace, forgiving grace, restoring grace, suffering grace, sacrificing grace, healing grace. And one of these days, if the Lord tarries, I'm going to need some dying grace, but I believe it'll be there in the nick of time. Amen. Hey, if the Lord comes back, before I die, He'll give me rapture and grace. I'm scared of heights, but I believe He'll give me grace to make it from here to heaven. Amen. Whatever kind of grace you need, God has plenty of grace. Amen. There are times of grace. There are spaces of grace. Did y'all hear me tonight? There are seasons of grace, but I believe there are places of grace. Now don't get me wrong, God can give His grace at any time. 
in any place He chooses to do so. But I believe there are special times and seasons of grace. I'm convinced that there are places of grace as well. I'm talking about a time where your life is at a crossroads and you have a head-on collision with God's grace. Amen? Uh, and again, you may think it's a bad time. That's what happened to Jonah. Jonah had a head-on collision with grace. You say, preacher, what was it? It, was, it came in the form of a storm. And to Jonah, it was the worst thing that ever happened to him. But in reality, it was an expression of God's grace. Three night, days and nights in the bottom of a whale's belly covered with seaweed, wallowing around in gastric juice, being vomited out in the whale's. Uh, out on a beach, out of the, the whale's belly. That was grace. Because it was what Jonah needed. It was the only thing that could uh, break Jonah's will and bring him to a place of repentance. Do you know chastisement is grace? <laughs> Do you know spiritual discipline? When God takes you to the woodshed and whoops your hide, you ought to say, thank you, Jesus, for your ever-living grace. Amen. Places of grace. Do you know everywhere Jesus went was a place of grace? <laughs> uh, 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 throughout His earthly ministry, you find Jesus demonstrating and distributing supernatural amounts of grace everywhere He went. And to every person He came in contact with. Do you know every person, uh, every time Jesus performed a miracle, it was an expression of grace. When He calmed the, the, the storm, when He walked on water, when He fed the multitudes, when He healed the blind, uh, amen, when He caused the deaf to hear and, and, and the dumb to speak, when He raised Lazarus from, a, from the dead, it was just another of many expressions of God's amazing grace. Not only the miracles that He preached, but the, or the miracles He performed, but the messages He preached. Every message Jesus preached, whether it be the Sermon on the Mount or the Olivet Discourse, Amen. every parable He gave, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, we could go on, that was grace. Do you know what you're holding in your Bible? is one of the greatest forms of grace God could ever bestow on your life. The Word of God is a form of grace. Every message you've heard preached. Amen. Uh, that time when somebody came along your way and you were lost in, in sin and hell bound and headed to eternal, an, an eternal place with the devil and somebody told you about Jesus, that was grace. Amen. Every prayer that's been prayed for your no good, sorry soul is a form of grace. Amen. But you know the greatest expression of grace that was ever given is when your Savior bled and died on Calvary's cross. You talk about grace. You know what them hoodlums over at Cambridge are doing? They're blaspheming the blood of Jesus. They're trampling and over the very grace God used to save their soul. Boy, you better not, you better not take advantage of God's grace. You better appreciate. You better be thankful for the grace of God that's been bestowed upon your life. Amen. A lot of grace. Amen. Hey, do you know that we need, we, our lives ought to be, as Christians ought to be expressions of grace? 
the way you live, the things you do, the things you... You know, the Bible says that our speech ought to be seasoned with grace. We ought to all hit the altar right now. Amen? Every word that comes out of your mouth ought to be an expression of grace. Every deed you do ought to be a deed of grace. Amen? Why? Because we're extensions of grace. Christ was grace. We ought to be grace. Hey, He was that unspeakable gift of grace. Amen. He is the God of all grace. Amen. Bethesda was a place of grace that Christ visited at a specific point and an ordained hour because He wanted one man to experience a measure and a portion of His grace. Listen, we not, may not run thousands this week. We may not fill the church up. I hope we do. But you know, it would be worth it all for one person to experience the amazing grace of God in their life. The condition. Verse 3, And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Jesus arrived at Bethesda. The place of grace. He found a great multitude of people with all kinds of problems. Some blind, some halt, some withered. But the one thing they were all waiting for was the troubling of the water. By the way, it's our job to bring people to the place of grace. This week, this church is going to be a Bethesda. A place of five portions, a porches, a place where people can come and find grace. But friend, we're wasting our time unless God sees fit to trouble the waters. Amen. Impotent. You know what that means? They're unable to do anything for themselves. They couldn't restore their own sight. They couldn't make themselves walk. They were absolutely dependent upon somebody else. To do something for them. There is a multitude of mariners, amen, and Ninevites who are impotent just waiting for somebody to bring them to a place to where the water is being troubled. Amen. Kind of reminds me of the multitudes in our day. Uh, amen. God is a God who chooses. Now listen, I do believe in the free will of man. I do believe that. No doubt about it. If you go to hell, it won't be because God sent you there. Amen? You have a choice. Amen? And that is to receive or reject Jesus. But as much as we want to emphasize the free will of man, I think we need to talk a little bit more about the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He distributes grace as He sees fit. We can't trouble the water, only He can. Amen? We can't stir it up. We can't work it up. God has to... And oh, what would happen at United Baptist Church if the Lord saw fit to trouble the waters this week? You know, uh, the Bible says uh, in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, My beloved... As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God 
which worketh in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. Romans 9, 15 and 16, He said to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy and distribute grace. As he's fit, as he's fit. You see, God works grace in us, and we're supposed to work it out. God is the in-worker of grace. We are the outworkers of grace. What we do outwardly is a result of what God does inwardly. Amen. What we need in our day is something more than what a doctor can do. More than what a lawyer, a banker, a preacher, a politician, or even a president can do. Listen, I'm telling you, the White House is not the source of grace. God's house is. Amen. The limitation for just a moment. Verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season and into the pool and he troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Uh, amen. Now again, some believe that this doesn't exist, but I believe it existed just as the Bible says it does. Regardless of what the quote oldest manuscripts that they found in a trash can said. Amen. We find a contrast between the grace that was found at the pool of Bethesda when the waters were troubled and the grace that is available to people in our day. Whereas at Bethesda, grace was limited to one. Through Jesus, grace has been made available to all. Let me say that again. At Bethesda, grace was limited to one. But through Calvary, grace has been made available to all. That ought to make a Baptist shout. Amen. Wouldn't it? What if? Hey, it might get. Sam talking about making people want to come to the altar. What if we said the first one that gets here is the only one that gets grace? <laughs> That's the way it was at Bethesda. Sam's got the wheels that turn in his mind. The only one that gets grace is the first one that gets to the altar. I'm glad it don't work that way, aren't you? I'm thankful it's a whosoever will kind of grace. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious. Uh, it's not a discriminatory kind of grace. Amen. It's not a prejudiced form of grace. Amen. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. When it comes to God's grace, there's an identification. John 5, 5, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years, a certain man, not just any man, but a certain man. He was on Christ. He was on God's radar. Amen? Uh, God had His number. And He didn't even know it when the day started, but before the sun went down, He was going to have an encounter with grace that would change His life forever, just like the woman at the well. She was clueless about what was going to happen at that well. But she left there having her life forever changed. Just because... Do you know that's what will change people's lives today? A supernatural encounter with grace when the waters are troubled. Amen. It ain't sitting on a church pew. 
It ain't hearing a good singing. It ain't even listening to a good message. It's when God shows up and troubles the water. Amen. And He targets individuals and says, this is the day that I'm going to change their life by a supernatural encounter with grace. Ah, listen, what, I don't know why God's sending us this opportunity for revival, but it's a big deal. It ain't a game, brother. This is, this is a matter of life and death. Heaven and hell's in the balance. Your, the destination of your family may very well be at stake as to whether or not God chooses to trouble the waters at United Baptist Church. Amen. Right now, you still got breath in your lungs, so you still can pray for your loved ones. Amen. We better get to praying. Ain't going to be no water troubling unless God's people get in a prayer closet. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all got me preaching now. You're in trouble. A certain man. You know, that's what we miss out. We focus on the crowds. The multitudes. Christ focuses on the individuals. Amen. Salvation is not general. It is personal, particular, and individual in nature. It's God's grace. It's not just God doesn't just dispense and disperse grace uh, casually. Y'all listening to me? Uh, amen. Kind of like when you're uh, feeding the cows or, or your animals, your livestock. You just throw it in there. And whoever gets it first, no, when God gives grace, He gives it out particularly and personally and specifically as He knows that His people, the one He is responsible for, stand in need of grace. Let me just ask you, anybody need grace? Friend, you don't know just how much you need grace. But, but I, I, let me, let's just be real tonight. You know, I, I'm just telling you, I, I sense as a pastor, I sense as a preacher, I sense as a husband, I sense as a daddy, I sense as a son, I sense as a brother, I sense as a friend. There's a lot of people, a lot of God's people running on empty right now. And it's everything you can do to get out of bed and live for Jesus. The circumstances of your life, the devil's on your back, breathing threatenings against you, trying to do everything he can to get you to quit. You know what you need? You need a fresh supply of grace. Some of you know what it is to be running on empty in the past and all of a sudden out of nowhere God fills you up. Amen. God doesn't want you to be living on leftover grace. He wants to give you a fresh supply. And I've got a feeling that God has specifically prepared handfuls of purpose on purpose of grace, just like He did for uh, Ruth as she gleaned in Boaz's field over in the Old Testament. I believe God's got some batches of grace prepared for some of His people this week. And right now you're on empty before the week's over. If you'll just let God do it, He'll fill you up. Amen? That's right. But, 
You got to do your part. It ain't all on God, is it? Amen. God dispenses grace specifically, particularly, and individually. God is a personal God. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, But all these worketh that one in the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. He, he disperses grace as he chooses to do so. As he sees that you need God knows how much grace you need. You say, preacher, I just can't go any further. Don't worry. God's going to come through for you. And preacher, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. Just hold on a little longer. Help's on the way. <laughs> Amen. Old Ruth gleaned in Boaz's field. She was a Moabitess. She didn't even deserve to be there. But God sovereignly ordained for her to be on gleaning as a servant, a handmaid in the field of Boaz, a Jew, amen. And he just happened uh, to land his eyes on that pretty Moabitess girl. <laughs> and he said, I love that girl. Uh, she may not be a Jew, but she's mine. And before this day's over, I'm going to load her wagon, not with the leftover grain, that she was toiling in the field for. That's what some of us are doing. Amen. We're out there sweating it out. Toiling the field for leftover grain. Crumbs. And God said, just hold on a little longer. I'm getting ready to load your wagon with the best grain. I'm going to sit you up at my table and give you some handful. And she went home with a bucket full of the best grain and Naomi looked at her and said, Where hast thou gleaned in the field today? Where did this come from? And she said, I don't know. Boaz just gave it to me. <laughs> oh, that ought to make you shout glory tonight. That He is a God of all grace. And you know what? It says over and over again, I don't have time to read Ruth. Chapter number 2, but you could read it. And it said that the grace that He gave Ruth sufficeth her. It satisfied her. God's grace will make you happy. Little boy in 12 baskets full. God, hey, he gave God what he had. God made sure he took 12 baskets home for him and mama to enjoy. Amen. Grace is not divvied out casually, or haphazardly, but specifically as he sees fit and as he knows we need it. God don't waste grace, brother. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. A recognition. Verse 6, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long time in that case. Boy, I, I, that old feller, I mean, you talk about an, he was impotent. He couldn't walk. I, I mean, he knew what he needed. And he could have been the closest one to the pool but because he couldn't walk, he couldn't even get there if he tried. There was hope for a deaf man or a blind man or because at least they could get to the water. This man, he could be the closest one there, but yet he's still out of lot luck. And you talk about hopeless. Nobody cares for me. He'd been there for years and years and years. And each and every time, maybe 
Amen. He reached out. And before he did, somebody else beat him to the water. But Jesus knew him. Jesus went there because he wanted to give grace to that impotent man. Hey, don't you ever think God's forgot about you? Don't you let old devil tell you that Jesus don't care for your soul. He's a liar. And tell him to go back to hell where he come from. Yeah, man. Question. Now here's where the rubber... Y'all can shout about everything we've talked about so far. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Wilt thou be made whole? <laughs> See, God had set him up. God had done everything there was to do. But the question now was, do you really want it bad enough to do what you have to do? Now this man was impotent, so he couldn't do nothing, but there was something he could do, and we're getting ready to see what the man could do. Friend, how bad do you want the special portion of grace that God has prepared for you this week? Are, are there lines in the sand drawn already? Lord, I'll go this far. But that one area we preached about this morning is off limits. Don't you dare ask me to do that. Don't you dare send me to the Ninevites. I'll go 90%, Lord, but I'm not going any further. Friend, if you're not willing to go 100% to obtain the grace that God has for you, you're not even a candidate to receive it. See, the problem today is not whether or not there's grace to be found or had. There's as much grace now as there ever has been. He is the God of all grace. The same grace of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. It's the same, the same God that sent that little boy home with 12 baskets full of grace is the same God that you and I serve. And ain't God, if we don't have grace, it's not God's fault. Lord's sitting here tonight and He's challenged us and I believe He'll challenge us every night this week. Wilt thou be made whole? Did you know that there's some things that you will not obtain in life unless you become desperate? And I, I believe this man had reached a point of desperation. He, there were no alternatives. Friend, did you know, I believe that's really when God's going to send revival, if He does. That's when we become desperate where there's no other options. Amen. We're as low as we can get. And we have nobody to turn to but turn to God. And I believe the same thing that Jesus asked that impotent man's the same thing that God's asking His people today. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you even want? Do you even think you need grace? Preacher, I'm good. I'm okay, friend. You may not be as good as you think you are. You may need grace more than you realize just how bad you need it. Amen? Do you want it? Are you hungry for it? Do you have an appetite for grace? Or are you still on the boat headed for Tarshish? You might need to jump overboard tonight. And God may have a well of grace to swallow you up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Huh. Hey man, seems simple to us, 38 years, this man had been without, and now God's saying, here it is, do you want it? 
too good to be true? <laughs> that man probably looked at Jesus like he's a telemarketer. Hallelujah. Amen. Kind of reminds me of um, Abraham. Against hope, believed in hope. Believed in a God who was able to speak it and make something out of nothing. I mean, that's what Jesus was, was telling this guy. He said, even though you've searched for it and sought after it all your life, do you want it? How are you going to do that, Lord? <laughs> I mean, you've got my hopes up, but can you tell me the specific details? Jesus didn't give him the details. He said, well, thou be made whole. Here's the reaction. Verse 7, the impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. This man was in danger of using his limits and liabilities as a reason, as an excuse why he could not when Jesus was saying. He's saying there's no man that can help me. And he was staring the man right in the face. What's your excuse tonight? You know, what limit? You're limiting yourself, your own abilities. Why you can't. Someone once said when faith says you can't, faith says you can Amen? When faith says you can't, faith says you can. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Will thou be made whole, United Baptist Church? Will you be the one that takes God at His Word and believe that even though you've been looking for it, searching for it, uh, come this near and your hopes and dreams have always been shattered every single time. But Jesus is standing here saying, Will thou be made whole? Declaration. Jesus said, take up thy bed. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. This wasn't a command or an instruction. It was a declaration. Submission. Verse 9, and immediately. <laughs> Do you know how quick God can turn the tables in your life? <laughs> God, is a, God is a God of immediate it's not always like that. Sometimes God makes us wait. But when God chooses to do something, He does it. Ain't no doubt. Ain't no question. Nothing and all of a sudden there's something. Huh? Y'all believe that? Amen. Notice, He didn't try to get up and walk. And then the Lord healed Him because of His efforts. The Lord commanded the impotent man to be healed, and as a result of his command, the lame man just got up and walked. And this goes back to the thought that the man was impotent and, he, and that he could not do anything by himself. An impotent man can't help it. You know, a dead man can't re resurrect himself unless he's Jesus. Do you know, we're impotent, we're powerless. We're incapable of reviving, resurrecting, and resuscitating ourselves without the help of a higher power. What needs to be done in your life, you need somebody that's bigger than you to do it. What needs to be done in your family? I'll just ask you. 
They say, preacher, I need God to do something in my family that I don't think is humanly possible. Raise your hand. I mean, I really need God to do something. I need something to be done in my life that from a natural standpoint, I've tried everything there is to try, I've done everything there is to do, and it ain't happening. Oh, I know I'm hitting home tonight. Huh? We can all say that. I can't take a heart that's broken. Make it over again. But I know a man. And friend, I'm telling you, God can turn the tables upside down in your home. God can reverse the situation in your family. I'm not giving you a false hope tonight. I'm talking about a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Talking about a God that can use one little church on a corner of Buckingham and Pinto that most people in Greene County don't even know exists. But God could start a fire and God could trouble the waters. And word could get out and people start coming out of curiosity. And before you know it, Greene County, Tennessee's turned upside down, not because of anything we've done, but because of what God did. See, we look at it and say, oh, it's so far off. That's what Abraham said it's across from. It's out there in the distance. I mean, the situation, the outlook's bleak. It's hopeless. But yet, against hope, Abraham had hope. The stacks, the cards are stacked against us, church. We're the underdog. <laughs> We're David. The world's Goliath. But God's still able to give the victory. I've had a time tonight. Of course, then you got the Pharisees. How dare you carry your bed on the Sabbath day? Really? This man couldn't move five minutes ago and now he's walking, but they want to focus on his bed. Yeah, ignore them. Don't let them drag you down. There's always going to be that crowd. An evacuation. This is important. He that was healed wished not. See, he didn't even know it was Jesus that had healed him. <laughs> Do you see just how impotent this man, incapable, he didn't even know who healed him. This guy just said, get up and walk. And he said, okay. And that's what he did. <laughs> they said, who healed you? I don't even know. Jesus had conveyed himself away. A multitude being in that place. Did you know that the only time that water was really troubled was when Jesus was there? When Jesus left, there was no hope. See, that's why we've got to get in while the waters are being troubled. The Spirit of the Lord shall not always strive with men. Seek the Lord while He may be found. No man comes unto the Lord unless the waters are troubled. No man seeks after God. We could go on and on and on. You've got to walk 
while you have light. Amen. Jesus, in John chapter number 12, He departed and He hid Himself from them. This could be the last opportunity for revival we ever get. So we just take it for granted. I mean, we're going, there's always going to, we're having a fall meeting, so I'm sure we'll have a spring meeting. Maybe, maybe not. You can have meeting all you want, but unless God troubles the water, you're out of business, brother. You better deal with God when God deals with you. When God wakes you up out of your sleep, you better get up out of the bed. Lest you fall back to sleep. Never to be reawakened. Delegation, verse 14. Afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. What are you going to do with what God gives you? What are you going to do with it? It'd be better for God not to do it than for you to do it, for him to do it, and you waste it. It'd be better for God to never trouble the water than for him to trouble it and you not get in on it. Amen. Confession. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus. <laughs> Amen. By the time it was over, nobody, nobody denying who did it. Just like the four friends that brought their buddy to Jesus. You know why it happened? It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. When God shows up, when the waters are troubled, ain't nobody will take credit for it. We'll just be saying, I ain't never seen it on like fashion. I ain't never crossed this way before. Amen? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. When God shows up, you know it. Amen? You can have, you, you can, you can have fake fire and wildfire and false fire, but when real fire shows up, brother, everybody in the house knows that it ain't man-made. But it's supernatural. They persecuted him, verse 16. Then he revealed something to them. Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Hitherto means in a certain time, place, and season. Jesus told the Pharisees, My father isn't working your way. Amen. So what? He chose to heal the man on the Sabbath day. That's God's business. Amen. This is the way He's working. I'm going to go His way and I'm going to work the way He wants me to. It's either all God's way or it's no way at all. I must be about my Father's business. I must work the works of Him that sent me while it's night because night's coming. Nobody's going to be able to work. The waters will soon be still, never to be stirred again. And then what are we going to do when it's too late and there's nobody left to pray for our loved ones? Application. And I'm through tonight. We better get in while the waters are being troubled. When it comes to revival, you ever heard this saying, you better get in while the getting's good? <laughs> Amen? Because very soon the getting, the gaining, the gleaning will be gone. Brother, 
the only time. Uh, you, you know why we feel like we're on empty tonight? Because there's less of an influence of the Holy Spirit in our day than there ever has been. You know, the truth is, we've been living on le off leftovers. Leftover grace. Whether it be from three or five years ago. What are you going to do when grace is gone? Well, I, I really believe for the most part, the church will be gone when grace is gone. But I'm just telling you, friend, the longer this thing goes... The longer we're here and we have no promise how long we're going to be here. Once again, a lot of times we use the rapture as an excuse. But I'm just telling you, friend, the longer God leaves the church in this world, the less often the waters are going to be troubled. What are you going to do if this time next year it's illegal for us to have revival? What, what are you going to do when the next pandemic comes around that makes COVID look like a playground? And they shut us down for good. Preacher, you're sensationalizing. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, friend, you better get in while the getting's good. And you better get your loved ones in while the waters are being troubled because there's less of an influence of the Holy Ghost in our day than there ever has been. That's why you talk to them and it bounces off their forehead because they are in danger of being drawn away by strong delusion. They're being turned over to a reprobate mind as we speak. Somebody preach that mess that was preached at Cambridge University. That's a reprobate mind, brother. I don't believe there is a hope for that fool. That's where we're at today, friend. And if I were a place to where the waters, there was the slightest chance of the waters being stirred so that they can get in before it's too late, I'd do everything I had to do if it meant dragging them to church. Kidnapping them. <laughs> putting handcuffs on them. Bring them in, sit them down saying, here we go. I know that's desperate. Some of you may try it. Hallelujah. And then I'll get put in jail. We're not bargaining with God tonight, church. We're not coming to Him with our terms, conditions, stipulations, and requirements. We're either going to do it His way or not going to do it at all. We're incapable of saving ourselves, reviving ourselves, or turning our own hearts back to the Lord. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen when God sees fit to do it. It's not he that willeth. It's not he that runneth, but it's God who shows mercy. He's the one that works in you both the will and to do according to his pleasure. Do you know that without the trouble of the waters of your soul, and I close on this, you're getting restless. But I'm telling you, this is important. This is more important than any of us realize. Did you know that, with, that unless the Lord troubles the waters of your soul, you're nothing more than a zombie, a walking dead man. 
Unless God troubles the water, you don't, there's nothing about you that wants anything to do with God. And friend, if I didn't have a heart that was tender and receptive and sensitive and soft towards the Spirit, the presence of the Word of God, I believe I'd crawl on my knees and do whatever I had to do to say, Oh God, would you trouble the waters of my soul for myself? Would you trouble the waters of my soul for my children and my grandchildren? Would you trouble the waters of my soul for my family, for my neighbors, my co-workers? You know, a lot of times we talk about hell. We talk about who's going to be left to pray for them when we're gone and we just sit there like zombies. That's dangerous, brother. You may not be turned over to a reprobate mind. I mean, if you're saved, you can't be. And I'll tell you what right now. Amen. Your heart's calloused. Your heart's hardened. And you need God to rip the wound, the callous off the wound so it'll be fresh and sensitive to the breath of the Holy Ghost on your heart and life. How's your heart tonight? And I believe it'd be according to the will of God for us to conclude this service by having an altar of prayer. And from the pulpit to the pew, every one of us pray and ask the Lord if He might so fit, even though we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. He ought to have kicked us to the curb a long time ago. I told Dad at lunch today, after reading that mess, I said, I wish He'd give me the button. But He's gracious. He's merciful and He's long-suffering. And all that we just beg God, Lord, would you just trouble the waters of my soul? Oh, God, would you just break my heart? Oh, would you just give me a burden for my family? Oh, would you just give me a hunger for your word? Friend, if you don't have an appetite for God's Word, you need the waters of your heart to be troubled. Can you make it a day without going to the Lord in prayer? If you can't, you need the waters of your heart to be troubled. Friend, I'm telling you, God's people's in a mess. Forget about Dingbat at Cambridge. What about God's people? We can let it go one in one ear and out the other and it doesn't even move or affect us. Oh God. I'm just going to tell you tonight, straight, you know that's me. I always have been. And sometimes I say things that make you uncomfortable, but the truth is we need to be made uncomfortable. Unless the Lord troubles the waters of my heart, I'm in trouble. Unless God troubles the waters of my heart, I'm in trouble. And you're looking at a, at a beat up, calloused, hardened, 
You know, the more you're wounded, the you know what your natural response is? To harden up. Sometimes it's your own fault. I ain't blaming. I'm just saying. When you've been hurt, when the devil's beat the tar out of you, that old hardened callus. And I'm telling you, if God doesn't trouble the waters of my heart, I'm in trouble. My family might be in trouble. Your family might be in trouble. And I'll tell you, I know it's later and you realize, son, I appreciate what God's done in Michael Barham's life. God's lit a fire in that man. He told me last night on the phone, he said six months ago, he said, everybody's ready to go to church. And I just went because I had to. But he said, now I get up every Sunday morning and I'm the one that can't wait to bring my babies to God's house. That's what we need. We're without excuse. It's time for us to make ourselves vulnerable and admit, Lord, if you don't give me a fresh dose of grace, I'm not going to survive and I'm not going to make it. Would you gather at the altar with me tonight and pray for God to trouble the waters? of your life, to trouble the waters of your family, to trouble the waters of your children, your loved ones, to trouble the waters of the young people, to trouble the waters of your church, to trouble the waters one more time in the greatest nation that's ever been on the face of the earth. Friend, if God doesn't trouble the waters, we're done for.